Oh, hello, everyone. For folks who don't listen to our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, this is a Q&A episode that we did. We do special sort of like gender and sexuality, non-Harry Potter episodes every Pride Month. Um, so this is what we did this Pride Month over at The Gaily Prophet. And for those of you who aren't Harry Potter people and don't listen to that podcast, we thought you might still be interested in learning more about your beloved hosts and uh you know hearing us answer questions about queerness and transness and stuff so we're just putting it here too if you are a gaily prophet listener also this is in your feed twice today and you know forgive us i don't think you care (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it'll be it's it's a lot of fun we give we give some excellent advice about relationships and gender and you know don't we all need the boost of acknowledging our identities and that we're that we're fine? Yeah. All right. Let's let's get into it. Uh, tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah. Like basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be like quote unquote enemies for every time we bring up Pass. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the <laughs> sexy stuff. Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer IRL witches answer your questions about gender and sexuality because it's Pride Month and we want to. I'm America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Schrodinger, Jesse Blount. And before Pride Month, we asked y'all to send us in some questions about gender and sexuality and all of that weird body feels stuff. Slash heart feels. Slash heart feels. Slash feel feels. Thank you, everyone who submitted questions. Uh, We deeply appreciate it. And we are always happy to talk about that stuff. Uh, Yeah, let's just let's just jump right into it. Do you want to read our first question? Yes. Uh, our first question is from Elise. <clears throat> Hello, my friends. How does a cis person know that they are cis? What does it feel like? Or related, what does having a a binary cis or transgender identity feel like? I don't feel any bond to my gender nor any revulsion. I feel revulsion to gender norms in society and gender binaries. Outside of social conditioning, I don't know what gender is slash means, so I don't know how to evaluate my own. Like, if I wasn't told gender existed, I might not know how it existed or that I had one. Perhaps the more thorough question is, what even is gender? In a neutral slash not polluted by patriarchal heteronormative transphobic context. That is an excellent question. It is. You definitely would not know if you, that gender existed or if you had one if you didn't know that gender existed and lived in a world where that was possible because gender is a social construct, which is cool. And also, I mean, I feel like just get that part out of the way because it's like totally irrelevant to the world that we actually live in. But uh, it makes sense that you don't think you would know what your gender or like that you had a gender in that context because like you wouldn't. Yeah, there'd be something else arbitrary that people would care about yeah because gender is as arbitrary than any other fucking bullshit that we want to say about people in the world yeah 
Um, I don't know what it feels like to have a binary gender, so I feel like you should start, Jesse. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I feel like I'm not the best person to answer this either, because I'm kind of just like, I don't have a problem with identifying as a woman, but like, I don't know. That's like as far as it goes. I mean, I don't know. I think that might be the answer i guess maybe i guess so like the gender that i was assigned at birth i'm like all right fun so (laughs) i like don't i guess maybe it is the ways that i think about my gender potentially like usually if i'm thinking about like being a woman it's usually in relation to like how shitty our society makes being a black woman (laughs) in this world and not necessarily about like how I feel about people viewing me as a woman. Mm -hmm. Though I will say that I am moderately butch. So uh, people do often confuse, are not quite sure that I am a lady and I do get served a lot, which is always entertaining. But like, I think that's, that's about it. I'm like, LOL, that person was confused about my gender. And then like, I keep moving around about my day and Mm -hmm. I just still keep doing what I, how I present myself. And like, I guess it's maybe just nothing I stress out about, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think that that's, that's the thing. And that's the thing that both, uh, I think, makes it really hard for a lot of cis people to understand trans and non-binary identities. And also a thing that seems like it should make it really easy for cis people to understand trans and non-binary identities where it's like yeah that comfort that you feel i don't feel that's like that's it that's the whole that's the whole tweet (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah i mean i think that this idea of like kind of not caring about your gender that Elise is expressing is sort of like I mean I don't know if the underlying question here is like does this mean I'm non-binary that's kind of the vibe that I get and like I think that's I don't it doesn't mean anything to be like that's up to you but like I guess I want to say like you don't have to experience like agony or dysphoria or like depression or anything bad to identify as non-binary and so if you're sitting with the idea of gender and you're like none of those feel right then that can mean that you're non-binary and like there is no like angst test to like you know test into having a trans identity you can not you can just be like yeah gender doesn't work for me and non-binary identities aren't just like somewhere between cis male and cis female they're like literally whatever and so you can be like i don't have a gender and that's a legitimate gender identity and you don't have to do anything about that like there's no law that if you decide like that non-binary is the right way to describe your gender that you have to change your pronouns or that there are certain pronouns that you have to use so yeah yeah i feel that makes sense i think it's okay to embrace gender oh fuck i just had the words in my tongue ambivalence mm. you know and i guess i don't know if people i said 
real cis people, other cis people, like, don't feel gender ambivalence. Because I feel like I I have a little bit of, like, of that. I was like, eh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, and looking how I'm looking and I'm moving myself through the world. But I think it's also, at least for me, I know a lot of very queer people with a variety of gender expressions and identities. So I feel like in the spaces that I'm in, it's like, it feels very comfortable to like question your gender identity and like question kind of like where you are at with that, like at any given point in time, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. not just like, all right, well, I'm non-binary and that's it. It's like, you know, or I'm cis and like, that's what I'm going to be the rest of my life. And like, I mean, people change and your feelings change and maybe you thought you were cis and you're not, or you're like, you know, I've been doing it as non-binary, but you know, maybe I'm actually something else completely. And like, it's good to investigate that about yourself. So Totally. Yeah. And I think there are also, again, there's so many different ways that non-binary can look that like, there are a lot of people who are like, you know, assigned female identify and identify as like a non-binary woman and that's like a legitimate gender identity mm-hmm. and you have all the options in the whole world open to you and I think it's awesome that you're not experiencing any like pain associated with the feelings around gender that you have and so like I don't know maybe joyfully explore it because you have the opportunity to do so hell yeah like maybe you're still in quarantine maybe you're still like you know whatever you have some time like no one's gonna burst through the room kool-aid man style to be like how dare you spend a week thinking about using they as a pronoun or asking people to call you they for a month like it's like you should feel free to like yeah joyfully explore your gender identity yeah so many people that i know are like well, you know, here's a safe group of people. I want all of you to like try this name for me for the next whoever knows how long or like use these pronouns for me. And like, I just want to feel how it feels when I hear those things. And like, if it feels good, it makes you happy, then like roll with it. And if it doesn't feel right, then don't roll with it. Yeah. Yeah, I will say I've actually been looking at binders on the internet. I think I'm probably going to buy one. See how Congratulations. That I found a company that makes ones in like excellent patterns that i'm obsessed with and i'm like yeah uh let's include that company in the show notes oh yeah no they're they're super rad is it the one that makes like the custom ones that you can get like whatever fabric you want yes they're cool yeah yeah i've been like i've been following them on like instagram and like tumblr for several years now because i'm just like look at how pretty this binder is because usually it's all like flesh color or or quote-unquote flesh color aka white people are like i don't know just solid like i'm like that's boring yeah totally like if you're gonna be able to walk around without a shirt on like it should be like sparkling yeah absolutely i do want to say for folks like me with things like ehlers-danlos syndrome binders can be like really dangerous and so if you do have any like health conditions it's definitely important to look into it before you make that kind of decision oh yeah that's a, i'm glad you said that because i have asthma and i'm like i should probably <laughs> carry my inhaler if i go out in like a binder yeah 
There's just like time limit stuff with with things like that. Okay, I feel like we answered this to the best of our ability. Yeah. We should have brought in a cis person. Go get Evan from the basement. <laughs> what an, does an actual, it feel like? An actual cis person? Yeah. And that's what like, me is like, I guess. This is fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Here's our next question, which is from Avise. I'm hoping I'm saying your name right. All right. Dear Jesse and Lark. I've been listening to your podcast since the fall and have really enjoyed the content you make. As a queer person of color, it can be difficult sometimes when a lot of popular media revolves around straight white narratives. So it's refreshing to be able to geek out about fandoms such as Harry Potter with a more diverse lens. Thank you. <laughs> Jesse, that cute face didn't get picked up on the recording. I I, I made a, I made a, just a very joyful like face at that. Yeah. Because that makes me happy. <laughs> All right. When I was younger, the idea of crushes confused me. It took me a while to recognize attraction towards others that went past platonic and even longer to accept it. I went to a very small K-8 school and the social groups in my grade were for the most part very gendered. This meant that most of my close friends were all female. This didn't help me sort out attraction as when it came to girls, I could not work out the difference between a crush and someone you care about as a friend. When it came to guys, I didn't know if I became flustered because I felt attraction towards them or if I was just awkward. Also, compulsive heteronormativity. I thought after coming to terms with my sexuality and starting to open up about my feelings that the internal conflict would go away, but things just got confusing in a different way. However, suddenly I have started having a lot of crushes and on multiple people, which has been overwhelming. I even had a crush on someone while being in a separate relationship, and while that didn't change how I felt about the person I was with, I still ended up feeling extremely guilty and torn up about it. Does this make me polyamorous if there are multiple people who I would want to date, but I don't think I would want to be in a polyamorous relationship? Dating one person was a lot by itself. I don't think I'd be able to do more than that. Am I just a disaster gay with a lot of hormones? I love this question so much. This is very great. You're only polyamorous if you want to be polyamorous. Yeah, I mean, I think letter writer, what you're describing sounds super common. I mean, I have definitely gone through periods of, of my life where I'm just like, I don't think about anyone in a crushing kind of feeling. And then times where I'm just like, everyone around me is so beautiful and great. Like, <laughs> I feel like, I guess maybe the underlying concern is that you're somehow going to be hurting people you're in a relationship with if you're also sort of crushing on someone else that you know in real life. And... I firmly believe the answer to that is no. I mean, monogamy doesn't mean that you're like, the person that you're with is the only person that you're like, oh, you're so beautiful and great. You're the only, you know, person that like, I think is like attractive and like awesome and to spend time with. It doesn't mean you can't admire other people in that in that way, in a like crushy, feelingsy, maybe sexual kind of way. But as, But as long as you're not gonna try to like harm or cheat or like be secretive with the person that you're with, like, I, I don't see a problem and I would see a problem though if you talk to the person that you were with and they were like how dare you look at someone across the bar and think that they were cute or how dare you like have met someone at the coffee shop and was like oh they're so great like you know don't talk about people like that because that's a little bit controlling and like maybe not and some maybe some red flags to look out for but I do not think you are a disaster gay and it is okay to be full of hormones if that's what you are in your life like go through different periods in our life about that. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I mean, you letter writer mentioned like the idea of compulsive heteronormativity. I feel like the idea that if you're in a happy monogamous relationship, you will never have a crush on someone else is a lie of heterosexuality. And we all know that as uh, Danny Lavery says all the time, heterosexuality does not work. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's just, it's just utter nonsense. I don't know. Like I've been with my partner for 10 years. I have had some very major, very intense crushes on other people who were like close friends. And I never felt like, Oh, I have to like stop hanging out with them because I have a big crush on them. I was like, here's the thing is that like crushes are really fun. And like, as long as the crush isn't a, like, you're like, oh, I think I'm going to cheat again. Like, you know, if you feel like it's something that you're like, I really want to act on this. You just have to talk to your partner about it and see where y'all are at with that. And B, like you said, you were still, you felt exactly the same way about your partner. So like, cool like have your crush ride it out have a good time it's real fun crushes feel great and especially when you're like in a long-term relationship with someone you don't like get butterflies anymore because it's like not new and that doesn't mean that you're not like attracted to them or that you don't love them but that like you know new relationship feeling of or like crush feeling of like oh i get all like weird and tingly when you come around me like that's a really fun feeling and so it makes sense that we are excited about it when it happens and it's like yeah it's totally fine and normal yeah and then like sometimes if it's not too awkward they just become your friends and that's also really cool yeah, or sometimes they were already your friends, and then you're like, oh, I just noticed that you're, like, really pretty. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> or, their... like, you smell really good, or, like, whatever the thing is that shifts it. I've, like, never had a crush on someone that I just met. I only ever, like, develop crushes on friends. I've only ever dated people that I was really good friends with, and so I don't really know what it feels like to, like, meet someone and be like, I have a crush on you. You know, I, I, I deeply feel that. Um, because I keep reflecting on how I never had like a slutty phase of my twenties, which I kind of mm-hmm. mourn. Um, part of it was that like, undi- like untreated, like depression and ADD meant that I was not in a space to just be like out into the world like that. But I think also part of it is that like, I don't really like a lot of people and like, usually people are like disappointing. And so I feel like seeing a hot person is one thing, but like talking to someone to find they have like good politics or like also because I'm a nerd like oh you're also into this thing that I'm really into and then it's like it goes from there yeah there's definitely a difference between like ooh, that person's super hot or like I'm super attracted to their pheromones or like whatever the fuck that to me is not the same as a crush and any like that's full heterosexual nonsense anyone who's like you're not even supposed to notice other people are attractive if you're in a committed relationship it's like um what like that's ridiculous and also it's like which is also funny because i feel like me and cultists all the time are like look at that hot girl oh my god or it's like look at that incredibly attractive dude it's like oh my god and it's like it's just fun to be like i'm sorry i just made a face where it's like you're just like you know when you see someone who's just like incredibly attractive you're just like double take 
don't yeah, know. totally. So yeah, and s- same. Evan and I have the same taste in people, <laughs> and so like whenever we're watching a show or whatever, it'd be like, okay, who are your like top three people that you are like attracted to in this? And it's like always sometimes in a different order, but it's always <laughs> the same three people, which is like really fun. And I would be so sad to be in a relationship where I like couldn't. Anyway, okay, here we go. Back to questions. Uh, did we answer that? Yeah, we did. Have crushes. You don't have to date multiple people just because you're attracted to multiple people. Yeah, polyamory is hard. Like, it's a lot of communication and I'm assuming scheduling. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, totally. And that's not, there's no slide on polyamory. It's just I know about myself that I barely have the mental capacity for like my relationship and my cats and my friends. I I couldn't add on another intimate relationship in there without not having a job, I think. (laughs) That's exactly how I feel too. (laughs) All right. All right. Next question. All right. This is from Carly. I was hoping Lark, you could talk about his timeline for when he first started using a new name and pronouns to when he started feeling comfortable with them. I'm just starting the, that journey myself, have told some friends I prefer they, them, and asked a very small group to try out a new name for me, and was wondering how I'll know if it feels weird because it's not just what I'm used to, or if it feels weird because it's genuinely not right for me. Would love to hear Lark's thoughts on that as a non-binary person, and if Jesse has anything to add, that would be awesome too. Okay, so timeline. I... I changed my name in at the beginning of 2013. Uh, I started using they, them pronouns in sometime in 2015. I started using he, him pronouns. Was it like May of 2018? I don't know what time is. I'm sorry. I think that's, I think that's accurate. It was before you moved, right? Yeah, it was before I moved. After I'd gotten top surgery. So, yes. Right. Yeah. So, let me think about the answer to this. Ask me guiding questions, Jesse. I don't know how to <laughs> do this. Um, I guess maybe maybe it would be helpful to talk about if there were times when you're like tried a thing and it was like, "Oh, this is this is weird. I'm not going with that." You know? Like, mm-hmm. were there any other names that you had tried or any other pronouns you tried before you decided on they them and then let up and then going to he him so no i i landed on lark before i changed my name and like i knew that it was right but like obviously it is weird to start going by something else like it took me a while to start remembering to answer to it and yeah it's just it's a shift but it definitely felt good, I think, right from the jump. And using they, them pronouns for me was like, came with so much shittiness in terms of my like social life and like relationships that my relationship with my pronouns was really fraught as a result of that. And so I don't it was it was like really hard for a long time like until i was able to let go of all of the people in my life that were making it hard for me um and so i feel like 
it was a long time before I could really even sit with like, do these feel like the right pronouns for me? And obviously eventually realized that they didn't, which is why I changed my pronouns to he, him, which did feel really good right away, but it was a really long time coming. And I had definitely done like a lot of therapy and like a lot of talking things through with people in my life before I decided to make that shift. So yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, you're having people experiment already. And so if there are like other names that you want to try or other pronouns that you want to try, just like keep experimenting. You know, if you have a supportive group of people who are into doing that for you, I've done it with like tons of friends and I've had friends who went through like four or five different names before landing on the right one. And like in one experience, um, one of my friends was between like three different names and kept sort of like rotating between them, trying to figure out which one worked for him. And like what ended up happening was like we sat down and we're having a conversation and he was like talking through the pros and cons sort of of each of the names and like one of the names I was like do you know that you light up when you say that one and don't when you say the other two and he was like I do know that but was like trying to talk himself out of wanting that name for whatever reason but just having someone else be like I see this reaction in you was like okay yes I do recognize that that's the name that I want to be using so like try it out like experiment see what see what feels good um and also leave room for things to stop feeling good and like to recognize that you know there's something different that would feel better to you i think for me use like switching to using he him pronouns allowed me to like step into what my like specific non-binary identity is and like what it means for me in a way that they then pronouns never did but I don't think that I could have gotten to that point of realizing that without using they them pronouns first I think a lot there's like people will be like yeah like they them pronouns are just like a stepping stone to like coming out as like being binary trans person or whatever which is not true like a a lot of people use those pronouns forever and b like i understand what it means to me to be non-binary better using he him pronouns than i did using they them pronouns like i'm more non-binary as a result of the pronouns that i use so all of your choices are valid and if you're not sure if it feels good just try something else I think the only thing I have to add to your answer, which was excellent, by the way, is that I I feel like there's a lot of pressure to be like, all right, you've made this choice already, and then that's it. You know, it's like, oh, you realize you're trans and you're going by, like, binary pronouns? All right, that's it. You're, you're done changing. And it's like, no, that's not how people work. It's fine to be like, oh, I was actually incorrect about how I feel about this name and these pronouns. And this feels better. It's totally fine. And anyone who says otherwise is shitty. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's like anything. I mean, in some ways, it's like anything else in life where it's like you can try a thing and be like, I don't actually like that thing. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to 
leave this relationship or this job or whatever but it's just made more fraught by the way that society treats gender and so i think there's just so much pressure around it that it can feel like you know oh i'm like wishy-washy on this so i must not mean it or like whatever it's like such an inconvenience to ask people to change a thing for me but it's like you feeling comfortable in the way that you move through the world is like way more important than if people are like mad at you because they have to change your the pronoun that they use for you again so fuck those people yeah and people in your life uh, if they care about you being a happy and whole person they're gonna accommodate their actions accordingly it's like when you find out a friend has like a food intolerance and it's like oh i can't eat dairy anymore and you're like well that sucks but i will just not going to complain about it i'm going to make this thing without dairy because i love you and i don't want you to have gastrointestinal distress (laughs) or you start to close up whatever reaction you have and like people love to complain about that shit which is fucking annoying don't be that person if you if you feel that way keep it to yourself but just just change your behavior change just you know practice those those people's pronouns learn how to make a gluten-free dish whatever the fuck you have the entirety of the internet to teach you how to do any of these how to respond to these things yeah totally all right another gender question it's from annabelle who says i don't care what pronouns i go by but i want a binder but every gender identity i found almost always ends with the pronouns only being they and them so i was wondering what kind of label thing it is when you don't give a fuck about what people call you and just want to vibe here here annabelle i i feel like we've said this a couple times now but like you a you don't have to have a label and b like you can like okay nope back up i have a friend who uses what's called rolling pronouns which is like you can use he she or they you just can't always use the same one. Like, if you consistently only use one of those pronouns for that person, then you're misgendering that person. But as long as you, like, switch it up from time to time, you're doing a great job of gendering that person correctly, which I think is, like, maybe an option that would work for this particular letter writer. Um, there's also a variety of other pronouns you could use. Zier. E-M. I think there are a few others, but I'm bad at grammar, so I'm not I'm pretty much blanking on what they are. You can also use no pronouns. Um, I know a good number of people who just use their names. So that's also an option. And again, like just find some people that that also just want to vibe and are willing to try these things out with you and see how they feel. I just want to be like, do whatever the fuck you want. No yeah. Matter, no matter how other people feel about it, I'd be like, fuck them. This is who I am. Yeah. And wanting a binder is not an indicator of any prescriptive gender identity. Which we conveniently mentioned in the first part of this, <laughs> this episode already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Buy a sparkly cow print one or something. like. Yeah. All right. See you, right? Yes. This is from an anonymous listener. I'm looking for resources for those wondering if they're asexual. I think I am. It feels right when I read some things 
but looking for better resources than what I can find on Google to help me. I feel like a little bit of a broken record, but like if it feels right to you, like no one else gets to determine whether you identify as asexual or not. Um, I know that like reading things from other people can be super helpful. And so I think it's like totally legit and wonderful to seek out resources. I didn't really look into it because I was like, well, whatever I find on Google is also going to be what you found on Google. Um, And I am not an asexual person. So I don't like off the top of my head really know of any like specific things besides like I think forums are really helpful and like Facebook groups and stuff like that. And most of them don't like gatekeep you already knowing your identity to like let you into the group. It's really normal for people to join like asexual or non-binary or whatever Facebook groups who are like, I think this is me. So find people to talk to on the internet and like ask them what their experiences are and talk about your experience and see what folks say in the comments I really think other people are like the best resource for this. And if there are any people listening right now who are part of an asexual Facebook group that you have to have an invite to join, maybe you can email us and we can connect you with this person uh, so that you can provide them with an invite so that they can start talking to you. Yeah, um, I'd also recommend... I think maybe looking up um, asexual slash ace-specific Tumblr groups might be still good. Uh, I don't know how active they are currently, but I remember back in the height of my Tumblr days, um, learning a lot about the ace spectrum and asexuality, which I, previous to whatever the fuck Tumblr was popular, 2013, like, didn't know anything about. So I would definitely kind of look into see if any of those if there are any groups like that that are still up um the other resource i would potentially look into there is this excellent resource for teenagers that i'm i'm sure the advice is still good called scarlet teen um they have a lot of kind of like sex and sexuality and body and gender um resources that's like vetted and not like whatever and just for my preliminary search of these Scarlet Teen archives, it looks like they have stuff about asexuality and want to do a little bit more research. There's also a comic on the blog uh, Ojo Sex Toy, which for the most part is about people who are interested in sexy sexuality, but they have a lot of, they have a whole section about sex ed and they have a sort of very beginner first person account of someone in, you know, introducing asexuality and talking about their experience. I think the thing with asexuality specifically is that it is so incredibly varied and nuanced. And I think that that's a lot of why reading, you know, what like you can find on Google easily can be really complicated is because like there's like ace and gray ace and like romantic asexual and aromantic asexual and like aromantic sexual. And there's like so many ways that it can look. And I think, again, maybe the theme of this episode is like, it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to like realize that something has shifted. It's okay to be like asexual 90% of the time and then 
you know, on the full moon, you're like, oh, I actually feel like getting sexy. Uh, that's legit. Like, you don't have to adopt this title about yourself and then be like, well, now I'm never allowed to feel sexual attraction again. That's definitely not how it works. Yeah. So maybe look for stuff where it's like people's ex- lived experiences about it. Yeah. I have a book list where it has, where the main characters or characters in the book are asexual, which maybe would help. Yeah. And of course they're sci-fi and fantasy because I'm a nerd. So hopefully you also are going to be it. <laughs> they're not into sci-fi or fantasy. That's why they listen to the Gaming Prophet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we will have, we'll have that. We'll have some of those resources. All right. Our last question is from Liza. Who asks, how do you find queer friends as an adult? I didn't figure out I was queer until my mid-20s, and I still don't feel very connected to the queer community. I also have social anxiety, so seeking out new social groups is difficult. Do you have any tips for finding queer spaces to make friends as an adult, especially if you weren't part of the queer community in high school or college? I spent my K-12 education in Catholic school and then spent four years at a liberal women's college learning to recognize all the terrible sexist and homophobic things that I had internalized. Now as an adult, I'm afraid to seek out queer spaces because it brings all the lingering internalized homophobia back to the surface and I'm terrified of hurting someone or damaging what should be a safe space for others. Have you ever experienced this and or what's a safe way to work through internalized homophobia while protecting others from it? Thank you so much for this podcast. I love it and really appreciate all the time and energy you both put into making it. This is two, two different questions. Yes. I feel like the first one is hard because I feel like I'm, I still haven't figured out how to make friends as an adult. (laughs) I just have many of the same. I think for me, my experience as someone who also is uh, socially anxious is every once in a while, I force myself to go to a thing where I don't know anyone and I don't go with anyone I know. Uh, like, uh, like autostraddle.com will like have meetups where people in your city get together. Um, and I met one of my really good friends by being like, I'm going to go to this fucking meetup. I'm going to hate it. I know that I'm doing it anyway. And going and hating it and standing in the corner and then being like, Hey, other person in the corner, how's it going? And then we were like, let's be friends. And we are still friends. And that was like three years ago. That's also how I became friends with Theo was at a camp where social butterfly Jesse abandoned me to go make friends and Theo was our other very socially awkward cabin mate and so he and I were just like you also don't want to talk to anybody for the rest of the time that we're here great let's hang out and then we became really good friends so I think that in some ways having social anxiety can be really helpful because it sort of narrows the pool for you. And also you're going to find other people who also are in the future only going to want to hang out with you one-on-one, which is what you want as a socially awkward person. Yeah, that's some... Yeah, I feel like I don't, I feel like I don't have much to add to that. Yeah, and I think the other thing is like, let your friends introduce you to their friends. And like, I mean, it's the internet exists, so like... If you go to a thing and you meet people and you're like, you seem rad, like go follow them on Instagram and they'll follow you back. And then like eventually you'll like see each other in public and be like, oh my gosh, your like dog is so cute on Instagram and you have something to talk about because you know everything about their lives despite not having seen them since the last time you were in a random social gathering together. 
Yeah, if you're if you're into Facebook, you could always look for some local Facebook groups and like if you're into like gardening or bird watching, I'm sure you could enter in your geographical area slash bird watching group. Low stakes talk to people on the internet and be like, Hey, we should go we could go meet at this bird watching group and then make fun of people. I don't know. Yeah, and then I mean you do have to acknowledge that you're navigating potentially the like are we becoming friends or are we dating? Which I would say just like be super upfront about, right? If you're not, if you're just looking for friends, just be clear. Like you don't, you don't have to play the game that like all of the gay memes are about. It's actually as simple as just like communicating clearly. (laughs) So just be really clear about what you do and don't want. Be like, I want to get coffee. I'm not asking you on a date. I just want to make friends. That's an excellent point. I definitely thought for like me and Nicole went on our first two dates. I'm like, is this actually a date? Or like, you just think like I was very, even though we'd like talked on a dating site and it's like, this is clearly a date. But I was like, that's really funny. This is very awkward. That's like a literal meme. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, but. Trying not to bring your internalized homophobia into queer spaces, which definitely sounds like something that is holding you back from being able to seek out friends. My first recommendation is therapy, like finding a queer, competent therapist that can help you process all of that. If that's available to you, I think it's going to be really, really helpful because I think a lot of that you can work through on your own, like It's the same as, like, any other, like, indoctrinated belief. As long as you learn to recognize it when it's happening and not let it out into the world before you evaluate whether or not it's what you actually believe. A really helpful phrase that I learned recently, and I wish that right now I could remember where I learned it, is your first thought is what you've been trained to think and your second thought is who you actually are. So that applies sort of like across the board in terms of like ways that we're socialized to be bigoted. So like if you go out into queer spaces and you find yourself having a reaction that you recognize comes from years of Catholic school, That first thought is how you were raised. And then when you see it and you stop, whatever your second thought after that is who you actually are. And that second thought is how you should move into that space and like interact with people. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I was trying to think of like what I can add to that. I mean, maybe it would help to just like, you know, when you like, let's say you're, you know, you're watching a thing and then you, you have a thought, you're just like, oh, that guy's too feminine or something, like, just as an example. It's okay to kind of investigate to be like, all right, I, th- I think that because, I, you know, I've been indoctrinated that dudes, you know, should be masculine and shouldn't be feminine or wearing makeup or glitter or whatever, kind of what that might look like. And it's okay just to kind of, like, sit with that and to kind of, like, you know, be actively investigating that when you're not in queer spaces, just kind of, like, in your life. Like, maybe you could do some journaling. You could immerse yourself also in like queer culture, like watching documentaries, some TV shows, some movies. And then you could you could process your feelings kind of like through without worrying about hurting other people, you know, exposing yourself to queer art and kind of like working through your feelings about how you feel about it. And then 
if you're feeling very negative or very uncomfortable about it, being able to sort of examine that. And it might get more uncomfortable because you might find that some of that is connected to transphobia, to racism, to classism, to internalized ableism. And that's also going to hurt because a lot of because a lot of those things are going to be wrapped up together because we live in a fucking terrible shitty society. Yeah, I think there's a lot to say for the value of honestly specifically Instagram in this case because Instagram is like such a visual platform although I think maybe also Twitter but uh it's indisputable that diversifying your feed and like intentionally getting new and different information is really helpful. People use this a lot to work through internalized fat phobia specifically by following like fat positive accounts that are posting pictures of fat people and like in positive light, right? And talking about how it's beautiful and healthy and natural and like whatever, whatever, whatever. People right now specifically are talking a lot about doing that to help work through like internalized racism. And you don't have to engage with the accounts. Like the point is just to absorb it. So like go follow like the most audacious queer meme accounts you can find. Go follow the gay chingy and like read about queer people like drinking pee at Pride and like sit with the discomfort that that brings up with you. Or Wussy Meg is also I think good for that. Yeah, I, actually, honestly, we can probably link to like a bajillion, <laughs> just like so many meme accounts. Oh that yeah, we follow. I like I follow a lot of queer meme accounts because nothing brings me more joy. Right. So. Yeah. So right, just expose yourself to like ten thousand like lesbian U-Haul jokes made by lesbians a day until you are like comfortable with it, and it just do immersion therapy for yourself with the internet and uh i think it's gonna help like i think that's gonna help a lot both in terms of seeing other people like you and in terms of seeing people like living their true full authentic lives and being able to have whatever reactions come up from you for you and from a safe distance where you're not i mean because you know you're not gonna like leave a comment being like that's disgusting right you're just gonna be like, why do I think that? Yeah, I will. I will say my life. My life got so much better when I just started following so many black people on Instagram, and I'm like, ah, yes, I can just look at beautiful black people wearing leather. Perfect. Yeah, that's all I want. Wearing good outfits and like very great lighting. You're like only leather. <laughs> <laughs> I do follow a lot of like leather accounts, which I always feel a little awkward about when I'm like, I need to share this in my story, and then I'm like. Nicole's dad followed me on Instagram, and now I feel a little bit awkward. That's hilarious and amazing. And I guess what the close friends button is for. Yeah, I need to. I need to make that. I have not done that yet, and I realize I'm just. I just really need to do that. So I can be my like, close friends button is so that when I post their straps, the kids that I used to nanny can't see them. And like, I don't really care if your mom sees it, but like, you're still 15, and that's too weird for me. That's fair. That is a that is a good idea for when I want to post beautiful queer people wearing like leather harnesses, which is quality is the kind of quality content that I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh. All right. 
We answered the fuck out of that question, I think. That was a good question. Yeah. Cool. We did it. We answered all of your questions. Um, thank you so much for writing to us. Hopefully this brings a little joy to your life. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to us with any more questions you have about... We'll answer them in one year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And, you know, then I'll, I'll, you know, we're definitely happy to answer both serious and silly questions. Definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Follow us on the internet at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's also our website. I think the day that this comes out is the last day that you can get our pride activity book so if you haven't done that already go grab it up leave us a review and a five-star rating uh we have we have a patreon if you want to support our endeavors making this high quality queer content uh you can follow me if you want to see my dogs and potentially thirst traps <laughs> <laughs> on instagram at lark malachi you can also check out my website which is larkmalachi.com you can follow me on instagram at live from detroit if you want more resources about abolishing the police state which you should and apparently black leather accounts <laughs> <laughs> and accounts that post beautiful brown people in leather just go look at who jesse follows and use that as your guide <laughs> <laughs> Um, God bless the internet. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter where I'm just in a rage all the time at Jesse underscore Detroit. Yeah. Our show arts by Theo, Julian Forrester. Our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. That's it. Be gay, do crime. Fuck the police. A better sign off. (laughs) 